Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Film Daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, October 5th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior Writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And Writer, Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, let's uh, get into some news that hit late last week. This is, uh, I don't know, this is kind of like some mind-blowing stuff, if you ask me. Like, this is kind of shocking. I, I didn't, I don't know, it, it kind of sent us all on like a, a spin in our Slack channel being like, how is this possible? But uh, we got some casting news for Spider-Man 3 or the, the sequel to Spider-Man Far From Home. Chris, tell us about it. Yeah, so the Spider-Man Far From Home sequel, a.k.a. Spider-Man 3, but not to be confused with the other Spider-Man 3, is bringing back uh, Jamie Foxx as Electro from Spider-Man 2, but not to be confused with the other Spider-Man 2, and also the other Spider-Man 2. Um, <laughs> you, you, you mean the Amazing Spider-Man 2? Yes, yes, of course. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 had Electro, played by Jamie Foxx. It was a terrible character and a terrible performance, and now he's coming back uh somehow in some capacity for this new film which doesn't have a title yet but will probably have home in the title somewhere 
But Chris, the greatest thing that came out of that movie is it gave us the greatest DVD Blu-ray box set of all time. That's right. The Electro Head, the box. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And hopefully when when this movie gets on Blu-ray, they'll they'll have a new Jamie Foxx head to put it in. Okay, let's dissect this a little bit. Now, this is a character. This is an actor who's playing a character who was in a previous version of Spider-Man. So like the one with Andrew Garfield, uh, you know, Electro has not appeared in the MCU Spider-Man. Uh, so, so how, how is this possible? How, how is this going to work? Uh, I mean, there, there are several options. One is this could be following in the footsteps of how they brought back uh, JK Simmons as J Jonah Jameson. Um, obviously he's played that character before, but he's playing a different version of the character in the, the, marvel slash sony version of spider-man here so they it could be a completely new version of the character or they could be uh introducing um you know we're not introducing but continuing the the multiverse i mean it's you know the the upcoming doctor strange movie has multiverse in the title so it's pretty clear they're they're going to start getting into multiverse stuff uh in the mcu so uh it could be all about that and that also opens the door to even bringing in other Spider-Men, like we could have Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man back or Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man back, uh, you know, provided they agree to that and they want to do it. So, you know, that opens all sorts of new doors. Yeah. Well, even Spider-Man Far From Home had the uh, Mysterio kind of introduced the idea of this multiverse, but it ended up being kind of a, a swerve of sorts. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it, he was lying because he's, he was a bad guy. Yeah. But it looks like Dr. Strange is actually going to open this multiverse, which, uh, you know, it, it was popularized recently in, you know, mainstream movies in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which is the animated series or animated movie that is not related to this in any way. Uh, so, I mean, that, that was successful. That was popular. I think, uh, you know, honestly, if you asked me 10 years ago, if I thought that mainstream audiences were ready to understand what a multiverse is, I would probably say no. Right. <laughs> but uh, I think I think we're ready for it at this point. I mean, not and not only is Marvel doing it, but I mean, you know, DC is going to be having their own sort of thing because they're bringing in Batman for the Michael Keaton Batman for uh, the Flash. So, you know, everyone everyone's jumping on that multiverse train. Yeah. So. It's this and also we should say, uh, Brad, you brought up that Kevin Feige was a big fan of Electro. Yeah, apparently, um, like the studio notes he had sent to uh, Sony after seeing an early screen of Amazing Spider-Man Two said that he was uh, a big fan of what they did with the character uh, in that movie. That was some apparently that was something that came out of the the big Sony email leak um, around that time. So yeah, I guess Kevin Feige likes Electro, which is why he wants to bring Jamie Foxx back. I feel like someone needs to put together a website, like just highlighting the the good stuff from that Sony leaks, because I've tried reading some of those emails and it's just like, you know, puts me to sleep. <laughs> That's, um, okay. Uh, the, the, the other thing that happened was Jamie Foxx posted on his Instagram a, a post which ha- was quickly deleted, which has now complicated this matter even further. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah. So to make things even more complicated, uh, Jamie Foxx wrote... Tell Spidey, let's run it back. I'm super excited to be part of the new Marvel Spider-Man, a new installment. I can't wait for y'all to check this one out. And I won't be blue in this one, but a thousand percent badass. 
So he's saying there that his version of Electro that is going to be appearing in this new movie is not going to be blue. And, um, you know, that raises a whole other slew of questions. Like, is this actually the same version of Electro? Is it, is he even playing the same character? Like Max Dillon, I think was the character's name before he fell into an eel, a vat of eels basically and and (laughs) got electrified and turned into Electro. So is he playing Max Dillon again, who is like this sort of nebbish nerdy character? Uh, And he, gets his well, that, that doesn't sound powers. very badass to me I know. I know like does he get his electric powers in a different way or is he going to be wearing maybe the costume from the original comics or something instead of being full-on blue but as you mentioned like the fact that this instagram post was deleted might mean that you know this this is it could mean that he was mistaken maybe and and maybe he will actually be blue or it, more likely it's like, you know, people at Marvel and Sony were like, Hey, uh, take that down. Um, so <laughs> I don't know there's a lot of questions here. I, I, I do want to pose one quick theory just in case it ends up being correct. But my theory about the multiverse in this new Spider-Man movie is that, uh, because Jake Gyllenhaal's Quentin Beck character revealed at the end of Spider-Man far from home, he revealed Spider-Man's secret identity to the entire world. I'm guessing that uh, Peter Parker is not thrilled about that. And he tries to, you know, unlock the multiverse to essentially get back to a world where the rest of, oh. you know, humanity doesn't know about that. And then ends up, you know, falling into a different universe or something along those lines. Things get complicated from there. But I wonder if that might be like the impetus for why he is uh, messing with the multiverse at all. So just an early theory. We'll see if that pans out. Like, do people even remember Jamie Foxx's Electro? That's my big question. And especially if you take out the blue from it. Like, you just gave me a character backstory that I don't even remember actually happening. You could have just made it up. And I wish I did, Peter. <laughs> um, so, like, why not, if you're going to do this, why not use, like, James Franco as the Green Goblin or, you know, how, you know, Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin? Maybe they will. I don't know. I don't know. It just it seems like such a weird choice of Jamie Foxx, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm wondering if it's like an actual major role, if it's going to be like a really quick, like tongue in cheek moment where it's like, uh oh, there's a lecture. And then it's like, never mind. I just I can't imagine him being like the, the main villain again. It would just be very weird. Yeah. Maybe well, he's like paging his way through the multiverse and just like sees a bunch of different realities and that's one of them and he like pops up and winks at the camera for like two seconds and then that's it yeah yeah that's literally what i'm picturing happening in this but i you know i could be wrong all i know is i really hope they bring the eels back that's all i want (laughs) well a quick a quick cameo wouldn't be very badass chris i mean (laughs) well you know it depends on what jamie fox thinks is badass he might have a different definition of badass than you or i yeah it should also be mentioned that jamie fox's instagram post had a bunch of um i guess you'd call it fan art yeah which somewhat like combined like you know spider-man into the spider-verse with multiple spider-men looking at like him in the sky like his uh his version version of electro yeah yeah so i think he's also confirming that there's a multiverse here too maybe I don't know. Maybe that's reading too much into it. Or maybe that's what, part what, of the reason that they asked him to take it down. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we're we're not the we're not the wait and see and find out. But uh, I I would say that this is some of the most exciting 
uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe news that I've heard in, in quite some time because it's just so bonkers and weird that I just don't know what they're doing over there. So I'm 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 very curious. Okay, with that said, let's get let's get into some of the depressing news. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about uh, the new James Bond movie. Uh, Chris, when is it coming to theaters? Oh boy! So, uh, No Time to Die has come full circle because it was originally supposed to come out April of this year. Then it got moved to November, and now it's been moved again to April of next year. So it's still coming out in April, but in a April twenty twenty one, April second to be precise. So there you have it. They'll have to wait a little longer to die. <laughs> okay, well th- that was one of the last remaining movies coming out like this this winter or this like holiday season like how does that change like is, is there anything left i guess there's uh what uh dune yeah. pixar's soul is still slated for november but we'll see how that goes and yeah and dune uh, and uh i'm sure there's other stuff we're just forgetting yeah there's that movie there. called freaky the uh, body swap comedy with, oh, yeah. uh, or horror comedy with vince vaughn that's supposed to be out on uh november 13th uh crudes a new age peter oh yes of course I know everyone's really looking forward to that one um let's see what else death, death on the nile uh, that got yeah well, that, that got pushed to December. Yeah, that's, that's yeah but that's still year, December. Though. Yeah, yeah. Well, Free Guy is supposed to come out in December too, and they just had a new trailer released today. Yep. And com- coming to America too, right? And uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is probably the biggest one, right? Or Dune and Wonder Woman. So those are the yeah. That's Wonder mid to late Christmas. December at this point. Uh, but uh, what are the chances that those are going to get pushed back? What do you think? <laughs> The, the chances are pr- pretty strong, I'd say. It's from, I'm almost certain it's going to happen at this point. Okay, well, you know, movie theaters are hurting, and uh, I think they're going to have to pivot again. Brad, you've been covering this over the weekend. There's been some movement uh, with Regal Cinemas, and they're, they're the company that owns them. It's a huge theater chain international, internationally called Cineworld. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, one of the reasons that we might not see some of these uh, movies open that are slated for December is because Cineworld, which owns Regal Cinemas, the second largest uh, movie theater chain in the United States, uh, is closing all of their locations as of this Thursday, October 8th. Um, And that also includes all of their locations in the United Kingdom. Uh, And this comes in the wake of No Time to Die being moved, because now uh, in October and November, as we just discussed, the only, you know, major major movies, quote unquote, coming out are Soul and The Croods and kind of freaky, uh, I guess. So now that these theaters don't have any big blockbusters to play for the next two months, that kind of ruins any chances of them being able to rake in any money. So now they're being forced to consider whether it's better for them to shut down or stay open and wait and see if movies open in December. But I, I feel like it's, it's such a give and take here. Like if one, you know, if, if studios keep moving movies, then theaters can't stay open. But if theaters, uh, you know, close between now and December, then those movies won't come out in December. And it's just, it's just a real, real messy situation. Not to mention the fact that this puts thousands of people uh, out of a job, you know, like um, not only were theater owners, you know, excited to reopen again and hopefully have movies like Tenet return to theaters, but people who need jobs were, you know, happy to be back at work or at least as happy as they can be in the middle of a pandemic. You know, people obviously need to make a living. So that's, 
you know, um, why they want to be back at work rather than actually being happy to be back at work during this time. But it's just uh, it's a tough situation all around. Yeah, I think there's probably like 5000 movie theaters in the United States. So this is like, you know, over 10 percent of them are closing down. Um, and uh, I don't know. This is, I don't know. I, I'm sure. Do you think AMC is going to follow suit? I feel like they have to because they, they're in pretty dire straits, too. They were talking about losing tons of money in the first quarter this year and it didn't, didn't seem like things got much better. They said that they could probably, you know, stay uh, alive until 2021 with the new like uh, investment that they had had. Um, but it's just it still does not does not look good. There, there might be a, a decent strategy that um, is coming out of the UK because uh, Odeon Cinema is over there. They just recently announced that starting after this coming weekend, they're not going to be open on weekdays, but they'll be open on the weekends. And weekdays usually aren't really that big of a box office draw for uh, moviegoers anyway. We, you know, we know it's the weekends that usually bring in the big audiences. So maybe there's a chance that theaters can stay open and save money um, by only staying open on weekends. But, you know, even, even then, I feel like that's probably not going to be enough when you don't have a big draw of new movies, just all these old repertory screenings and then you know tenant and new mutants still lying around yeah and i you mentioned pixar soul earlier which comes out november 20th i think we've all kind of joked about that one because i think we all think that that is going to be coming to disney plus vo uh, the premium vod like they have not announced that they're saying it's theatrical but i I think at this point in the u.s that's probably what's going to happen so i i guess the question is can a big movie like that like make good money on premium vod ben what do you know well uh mgm and orion recently released uh, bill and ted face the music and that movie actually made about 10 times more on the premium vod platforms than it did in theaters as of last week it had grossed 3.3 million dollars in theaters and made um i think it was almost 30 uh, yeah, oh, 32 million. So yeah, almost 33 million dollars. Um, so you know, the, I, I'm not sure. There, there are so many complicated um, things, that, factors that go into uh, each individual movie. They're all different, right? Like some some movies raise money in different ways, and studios have to pay back um, you know different production companies, and there's all sorts of different percentages and crazy stuff that goes into making every movie. And so when you're talking about like whether or not something is profitable or like how much money it makes, like there's that whole uh, the the popular phrase about like Hollywood accounting, like you know <laughs> nobody knows anything and it's it's all notoriously shady. And I think uh, Ed Solomon, who was one of the uh, writers of Bill and Ted Face the Music, also wrote um, Men in Black and and has said several times on Twitter that he's like yet to see you know any <laughs> like the the proper amount of money that that he should have from that movie because the the studio keeps saying that the film has never actually made money even though it's like you know sparked a franchise and been you know like one of the the big like premier uh, recognizable franchises of the past like thirty years or whatever um, so th- there's all sorts of like crazy things that go into you know, the reporting around this stuff, but it, it, I just, that one fact that this movie made almost 10 times more on uh, paid VOD than it has in theaters certainly uh, contributes to the idea that most people are still not willing to go out in droves to visit their local movie theaters right now. And that, you know, this, this paid video on demand thing is a pretty decent option for people who are looking to make at least some of their money back. And I know that, you know, the viability of that changes for every movie. Um, 
you know, we've talked a bunch of times about how it just doesn't really make a lot of sense for movies like Wonder Woman 1984 and No Time to Die to just be released on, you know, PVOD because they cost so much money to make. Um, and that's why things like Black Widow have been moved into next year and all that. And, and Disney sort of surprised us by putting Mulan on on PVOD. Um, but it was them taking a risk and taking a chance and doing something different, which I think is what studios are probably going to have to do at least until you know, some semblance of normality uh, comes back around in this industry. Yeah. We should also mention the Robert Zemeckis uh, adaptation of the, the witches. It was, I think it was originally supposed to come out in theaters in October. It's coming out in theaters internationally in October, but they announced with a new trailer that it is going to be streaming on HBO max on October 22nd. So, uh, you know, they're, they're skipping the premium VOD entirely to get, uh, Warner Brothers wants to get subscribers to, to their HBO max platform, which is, I mean, it's something Disney is doing as well. They've done, um, did, did any of you guys see the trailer for this one? I'm just curious. Whew. Yeah, I did. And yeah. I, I kind of wish I hadn't. I thought it looked really <laughs> awful, just like completely not my thing. Um, this may be some people's thing. And oh, my God, I just can't imagine. Um, <laughs> I, I will not be watching this. I'll just say that. You know, I like Anne Hathaway, but someone needs to tell her to stop doing these accents and going like really big. I don't think that's her her strength. <laughs> uh, but this whole not not to blame th- this movie on her like this whole movie looks like somewhat of a mess uh chris brad did either of you see this trailer uh i did not watch it just because i haven't enjoyed anything robert zemeckis has done since like cast away <laughs> so I'm, I'm 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 i'll probably watch it but after uh welcome to what is it marwin yes. or marwin whatever that was called which was like like yeah. traumatically bad like it gave me like nightmares it was so bad i don't know how excited i am for anything robert zemeckis at this point yes i have the exact same feelings (laughs) (laughs) okay so i guess the question is uh, ben do you think more we'll see more movies taking the pov uh, pvod approach um i mean i think so right especially if, if theaters decide to close their doors and it's hard to blame them because of of you know, the fact that all these studios are just moving movies into next year and then it, like it's hard to blame them because they don't <laughs> they need to make their money back and it's not exactly the safest time in American history right now. So it's like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of blame being passed around, but it, it, um, it all just spells a really, uh, yeah, the sort of untenable situation for movie theaters right now. So I think, yes, I think ultimately we are going to see a lot more of these movies just coming straight to PVOD over the next you know, six months, a year. Um, Cause I, I'm not convinced that like January 1st, everything is going to be a okay. And now all these movies that, you know, were supposed to come out this year, are just going to start rolling out. Like it's no big deal in, in the beginning <laughs> of next year. I, I have a feeling that all, you know, these uh, extensions and stuff are going to continue, you know, into the first quarter of next year too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some big filmmakers are imploring Congress help save movie theaters brad tell us about this yeah so we you know we just talked about how movie theaters are in pretty dire straits and uh, it's going to be tough for a lot of them to survive as time goes on and so 
um, a bunch of filmmakers, some of the most prominent names, Martin Scorsese, uh, Taika Waititi, Greta Gerwig, Seth Rogen, Judd Apatow, Alfonso Cuaron, uh, Edgar Wright, Barry Jenkins, Michael Bay, a, a lot of uh, you know your favorite filmmakers and some who maybe aren't your favorite, um, all signed this letter in conjunction with the National Association of Theater Owners to plead with Congress to uh, prioritize some kind of assistance uh, to help movie theaters as one of the you know industries that's being hit hardest by the coronavirus pandemic, um, and so they they cite a lot of you know uh, numbers as far as you know how many people work for the theater industry and just you know how uh, how much help that these you know people need and so basically their their request is that Congress reallocates some of the unspent funds from the CARES Act towards programs that are designed for industries like movie theaters um, or by enacting new proposals from uh, the Restart Act. So uh, this is, you know, a, a big ask. Um, obviously, you know, Congress probably isn't necessarily uh, the biggest fan of the uh, the movie industry, at least when it comes to the, ma- the majority that is currently uh, in the Senate. So it's uh, hard to, to say and uh, see, you know, how this will turn out. But obviously, you know, things are getting pretty desperate when you have this many people and uh, these big names, you know, right signing a letter and sending it to congress being like hey th- we need help for movie theaters so I-, I have a feeling that once 2021 rolls around the theatrical distribution model is ha- will be shaken up quite significantly and it could spell uh some trouble yeah i think some of these chains are going to go out of business they're going to sell the theaters to maybe some big studios like disney and uh, Ben, you've already talked at length about this in the past about that 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 is a bad thing or potentially a really bad thing. And I don't know. I'm I'm just like wondering like how can we save movie theaters aside from you know them getting some federal funding? I I saw my Facebook feed. I'm friends with this guy named R R Paul Wilson. He is a filmmaker and he's also a big magician. Um, and he like put a post up. He was like, you know, maybe movie studios could allocate some old movies to theaters to play for free so that it will, you know, like, uh, you know, big movies like Ghostbusters and stuff that they've been, they've been doing some of that, but I'm sure that there's still a rental fee at that point for, for the theaters. Like, would that be enough to save them? Probably not because they're still, they're still, you know, the cost of staying open, having the employees there to man the theaters during this time and people aren't coming to the theaters is like probably not enough. Like, what do you guys think? Like, is there, is there anything that can be done to save these movie theaters? I mean, I mean, I don't think so. Like it, it really seems like their best course of action is like, they have to close until new movies come out because the old movies aren't really enticing enough for people to come into movie theaters because a lot of people are still worried because of the coronavirus pandemic and they're not being a vaccine and just being in an indoor place you know, with potentially with, you know, a bunch of strangers still doesn't sit well with a lot of people. So no, no one's rushing out to, you know, uh, potentially risk their lives to see Ghostbusters again when they can just as easily watch it at home. Um, you know, I mean, we, we did see some, um, uh, I saw something with the box office, you know, that Hocus Pocus did pretty well on the charts this past week. But a lot of this money is still coming in from drive-ins that are still open. Um, you know, the actual, you know, in, indoor theaters still aren't doing uh, a lot of huge business, despite the fact that a lot of the areas that aren't major metropolitan areas like L.A. or New York are have a lot of their theaters open. You know, people j- just aren't ready yet. Yeah, 
I'm actually surprised that a lot of these theaters, and this is another point I think we've talked about in the past, but I'm surprised a lot of these theaters haven't turned, like, the side of their building into a drive-in, like, every night of the week. Like, that that seems like it would be something that could be done for pretty affordable. I mean, I'm not sure how affordable it is to to move a, a projector outside and, uh, you know, put up a screen or something, but... I don't know. It seems like people would be maybe more willing to do that to to see films, but they're not going to do that for older film. I mean, well, I guess you mentioned. Well, the other problem that you run into is that uh, at least here in the Midwest is that we're coming up on the time when drive-ins close because it's getting too cold to have outdoor movie screenings. So if they were going to do that, they missed their opportunity to do it this summer. And now a lot, a lot of these theaters in, you know, at least the, um, you know, that aren't in a warmer climate for most of the, the year uh, won't be able to do that. Yeah, I like the plan that Chris talked about recently on an episode of the podcast, like theaters teaming up with studios and stuff to basically have their their own websites be, you know, portals for people to rent stuff. And like a cut of it goes to the theaters. Like, I'm sure deals could be struck that way. Yeah. But um, I don't know that that has always sounded like the smart play to me. But I'm, I'm just I don't know if they're worried about piracy or if there's if I'm sure things are way more complicated than I'm making I mean, it seem, but one thing is certain Congress will take care of. This. <laughs> I, I mean, they've done so well. They're they're on top of everything. So I'm sure they'll fix the problem. AMC does have their own VOD um, thing where you can rent movies like from them. But it's all the stuff that's also, you know, available on iTunes and everything. So, yeah, I don't know how viable of a moneymaker that is for any of the other chains to start their own you know vod library yeah and then you got to create like an app for like all the apple tvs and you know whatever the android and uh you know amazon boxes are because like you i feel like you know my dad's not going to watch a movie on his computer right like he wants to watch it on his tv uh i don't know You, you know what i think can save all of this is the seuss cinematic universe and and thankfully warner brothers animation is going to give us it and it's going to save the day ben tell us about it yeah so uh warner animation group is actually developing a dr seuss cinematic universe uh there are three movies in the works right now um the first of which is a new version of the cat in the hat and uh yeah that that's it's actually (laughs) they're aiming for this to come out in 2024 peter so i don't know if um cinemas ah, are going to be able to last that long but then thing one and thing two is in the works as well that's going to be uh featuring characters that are introduced in the cat in the hat and that's going to come out in 2026 and then in 2027 so we're talking a long time from now uh oh the places you'll go is going to be getting a movie adaptation and actually jj abrams is going to be producing that one um, I don't think he's going to be involved with the first two projects and it's unclear if he's going to be on board with like more Seuss cinematic universe <laughs> movies or shows moving forward. But uh, yes, that, that is the plan right now. Um, I, like I said, 2024 seems a, a little late. I don't know if anybody can be like holding their breath that the Seuss cinematic universe is going to save them. Well, I guess by 2027, we're just going to have the movies like downloaded into our brains, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I want oh the places you'll go beamed directly into my cranium, but uh, maybe somebody does. I mean, I do. No. <laughs> I, I'm always I always try to be optimistic with these ideas of cinematic universes because I do think that they're 
there needs to be more cinematic universes beyond the two comic labels that work. Like I like I don't know. It, it is a great idea. I feel like it's always approached in a really bad way by Hollywood because Hollywood, uh, you know, <laughs> they're not approaching things artistically. They're they're approaching things from a money making way. But I, I can't myself think of a reason why a you know combining the Doctor Seuss mo- like the the stories would make it any more interesting. Well, it's actually actually uh, it's interesting. I should I should have mentioned that these uh, I guess these characters are not going to cross over in a traditional sense. It's more going to be like creating a, a I guess a cinematic universe in like a setting kind of vibe where like um, the president of Doctor Seuss Enterprises basically said it will all feel like part of the Seuss universe. They live in their world. They're not necessarily going to interact in the same films, talking about the different characters. So, um, you know, the cat in the hat is not going to meet the the boy who is the protagonist of, oh, the places you'll go. And the thing one and thing two are not going to visit the Lorax, she said, as an example. So um, it's basically creating, you know, uh, a look and a vibe and a feel that is all going to translate into, oh, that's a Dr. Seuss property. And they're hoping to try to do that, you know, in the same way that you can pick up a book off the shelf and just flip through it without reading the author and being like, oh, yeah, I know that this is a Dr. Seuss story. Um, They're hoping that to sort of try to recreate that same thing in movie form. Hmm. Okay, I guess that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, but we'll have to wait until, what, 2024? Yeah. To see the first of those? Yep. Yeah. Okay, that does it for today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find the stories we talked about in today's podcast linked in the show notes. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. And please... Rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Wednesday.